The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus said, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them to do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Evil is a false flag operation. Evil needs an excuse to invade. Evil needs reasons to justify its existence. This well-known teaching of Jesus that asks us to turn the other cheek is sometimes seen as letting evil win. But evil provokes and wants to get a reaction. And when it doesn't get it, it is very dissatisfied. But we have to be very careful here to not look at this teaching of turning the other cheek as a way to say that there is no way of pushing back against the injustices that are perpetrated against us. We've all been wronged in life. We've all said, well, that's not fair. That's not just. Jesus comes to show us a new way, new lenses in which to view the world, to be a part of God's power, not the world's power. So, in order to understand Jesus fully, we, we first have to put our trust not in retribution, but our trust in the fact that we are children of God. We are children of God, first and foremost. And in order to do that, we have to have a sense of who God is and what God is all about. Now, Scripture is the story of God and God's relationship to us. That's what scripture is. So we put our trust in that. 
And there's a lot in scripture today. There's a lot that we heard today. Turn the other cheek. Bless those who curse you. If someone takes your coat, give them your shirt, etc., etc. But then we've also got this very complex and deep explanation of what the resurrection of the body means from Paul to the church in Corinth. Hmm, so where do we start? There's a lot to tackle today. Well, I'm going to start with the theater. If you've ever studied theater history, you will have read a lot of ancient Greek drama. And these dramas would consist of very intricate plots, drama and intrigue. And, and yes, they were pretty long. I remember thinking as a student long ago, oh, when is this play going to end? Seems like there wasn't a very good ending. It was just going to go on and on and on and on. And it is said by some scholars that Greek drama arose and came from the need to bring back from the dead. In other words, the performing of a character on stage was an act of transforming a soul from the realm of the dead into an active living being as a way to bring those who had died back to life of sorts. And then there is the other convention of Greek drama, something called the Deus Ex Machina. Now, what on earth is that? Deus Ex Machina. It means God from the machine. And what this was was an actual device at the end of the play where a god or an actor playing a god would literally fly in on a crane-like device to give the play an ending to, well, usually it was a happy ending, but, but in other words, the plot involving the humans, it couldn't work itself out as it was. There was no way to resolve the conflicts, nor could it happen in a timely manner, so God would have to swoop in and give the answer to the plot problem and thus end the play. God, or a God, saved the day, and in some cases actually saved the play. The arts are always going to represent the existential frustrations, the fears, and the anxieties that a particular population in place and time over the centuries feel or have felt. Just look at our movies today. Many that have come out in the last few years, including TV series, are all about disasters and plagues and the end of the world scenarios, dystopian stories that defy reason, or post-apocalyptic scenarios where humanity must start over again. The rise of the superhero movies, the success of Marvel, the Marvel franchise that took mere comic books and made them into blockbuster must-see films, all about transformation and redemption of imperfect human beings who become transformed into heroes and save the world from extraordinary evil and unearthly power. We want to be saved from the evil of the world. And so did the people of ancient Palestine, saved from the oppression of the Roman Empire and other enemies. We all want and sometimes expect God to come in and save the day. Give me the ending that I want, dear God. Jesus teaches about who God is, and sometimes it's not the ending that we expect. 
But here's the thing, God does swoop down to save the day. The deus ex machina is Jesus. But as we see over and over, it's not a satisfying plot twist for many because Jesus says the most extraordinary things that aren't going to fly with what we think we need to do in order to survive in this world. We are told to put our trust in a God that is showing us a new way, or leading us actually is more like it, to a new way. And you know what? You know what? Evil doesn't like that. Evil doesn't like to be confronted by Jesus because the lies are then called out. Evil cannot stand it when Jesus says what he says and does what he does because Jesus actually diffuses evil's power. It's a slap in the face to evil to turn the other cheek because doing so is a different kind of power. It's like, it's like in martial arts. To diffuse the power coming at you, you go with the power of the movement, not resisting it, but rather diffusing it. And that's what Jesus does. And you know, the stories that seem to live on in our psyche are when ordinary things become extraordinary because then we call it a miracle. We'll say, oh, that was miraculous. What do I mean by that? Well, now we, we've already gone to the theater. Let's go to the movies. There was a movie that came out a few years ago called Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was based on a true story of a man named Desmond Doss who joined up in World War II but refused to touch carry or shoot a gun and and he wanted to be trained as a medic and he said that while others were taking lives he was going to save lives and he got a lot of resistance during basic training and a lot of anger and abuse was perpetrated against him because in basic training training he wouldn't even he wouldn't even touch the gun he wouldn't pick it up he wouldn't even try to shoot and so his fellow um, his fellow recruits were, were, weren't feeling safe around them. They, he thought, well, we can't go into battle with him because he's not going to have our back. He's not, he's not going to pick up a gun. We won't be safe with him. So he got a lot of flack for that. And um, uh, he finally, finally was able to uh, go. And he convinced, he fought for his right to be able to go as what was called a conscientious objector. So he was finally allowed to go into battle as a medic. And he and his fellow infantrymen were charged with taking and securing a particular ridge in the Battle of Okinawa. And they suffered brutal losses over and over again. And the carnage on both sides wouldn't stop no matter how many tries they attempted. And, and more men on both sides were just getting slaughtered. And Doss actually ran into the battle, dragging the injured out of harm's way, until at one point he was left up there on that ridge all by himself, and instead of coming down on his own, he chose to risk his life to save those who were left for dead on the battlefield. He ultimately was able to save 75 men without firing a shot. And this is a true story. And that's how he was able to put his life and work into this particular turn-the-other-cheek message because for him, he saw power in this message, not weakness. There was also power in the conviction of his conscience. In other words, there's a fresh power in turning the other cheek if we believe in the power of God to transform 
Now, of course, he could have gotten shot and he could have not survived, but his will and his conscience empowered him to just do what he had to do anyway, to put his life at risk. It was that powerful. Transformation and redemption make for great films. That's, that's what we want to see because we want to see good win. We want to see good win over evil. Wanting, wanting the good to win is turning the other cheek. It's not about being a doormat, but allowing for the creative vision to find another way to not react the way evil wants you to react. To be clear, I'm not diminishing the brave men and women who have been and who are put in harm's way in conflicts all around the world by any means. It's just that if they, if, if, if they, they wouldn't have to be there if more people, more leaders followed the good. If more people in this world would allow the power of God to transform their hearts, they wouldn't have to go. Resurrection is the belief that God is still in charge, despite what we see happening in the world, that all the corruption and the decay, which is what death ultimately is. The knowledge that with the resurrection of the body, the cosmos have been somehow rearranged, if you will. That despite all the evil in the world, evil never ultimately wins in the long run. Now, as we are on the cusp of, of the beginning of Lent, which will take us into the miracle of Easter, we are being prepared to have the discussion of suffering and cruelty that is the way of the cross. To know that we will have to wrestle with resurrection and what does that mean for us today? What does it mean to say that Jesus destroyed death and all of that? What Paul is trying to tell us today is that our bodies, our physical, fleshly bodies, will die. We will die. But a resurrected body is still promised. What does that body look like? We don't know. Body does not mean the same as flesh. But body simply means some sort of form, some sort of structured form, that God will make a new structure from that which decays. And once we can take the fear of death out of the equation of our lives while we are alive, it just may be possible to live in such a way that is more joyful and where we can make decisions not for just our own survival or where, where we don't try to immortalize ourselves by needing more and more power as if that will make us invincible or godlike. The resurrection of Jesus, God's rearranging of the cosmos, is a new, in a new way tells us that evil doesn't have the last word. And to follow Jesus means that we don't allow evil to have the last word either. We are called to diffuse it. In the words of Richard Rollheiser, a priest and spiritual writer, we can live in faith, love, forgiveness, conscience, and fidelity in spite of everything that suggests that they aren't true. They will bring us to what is deepest inside of life and love because God 
vindicates virtue. God vindicates love. God vindicates conscience. God vindicates forgiveness. God vindicates fidelity. God vindicates Jesus and will vindicate us if we remain faithful as Jesus did. God has swooped in to save us by putting Jesus into the plot to show us how to truly live. Amen.